Greetings, 501st Cast listeners. Welcome to 501st Cast Classics, where we re-release episodes from way back in the early years of our podcast. We hope you enjoy this little trip down memory lane. I'm Karen Travis, author of the Republic Commando series, and you're listening to the 501st Cast. Because any bullshit is true from a certain point of view. It's the 501st cast. We found the computer outlet, sir. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. You are listening to the 501st cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, the world's definitive Imperial costuming organization. You are tuned in to the latest news and mission reports from the front lines as the men and women of Vader's Fist celebrate 10 years of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community charity and volunteer work welcome back to episode six of the 501st cast the official podcast of the 501st legion this is our first episode of 2008 and i am glad to be back here with varza and lore i am dean tk899 i am varza dz8772 I am Lore, TK7883. And I mentioned this is Episode 6, and for Star Wars fans, you would be thinking Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Lots of Ewoks and that sort of thing, but I have to report that there is a, a very low Ewok count in this episode. It's coming up a little bit later on as we talk about some upcoming events. But be sure to check us out at 501st.com slash podcast, and also visit our MySpace page at myspace.com slash 501stcast. And if you recall a few episodes back, Rich, our behind-the-scenes sound editing guy, came up with a goal, a goal for us to reach 200 MySpace friends by 2008. And now here we are in the new year. And Varza, what can you tell us about that goal? We definitely surpassed it by 2008. On the last day of 2007, I accepted our 200th friend on myspace which just happened to be dean's wife oh very very nice of you for a little shout out there yeah now, now if, she don't, if she'd only listen to the show <laughs> if only so we definitely surpassed it and we are now at 229 friends and we're hopefully getting more and more each day so that's awesome but well hey we met one goal and my my uh my goal is still suffering that 4,000 members by the end of 2007 member goal is still out there but how about 4,000 members plus by 2009. I think we can reach that one. So. I think we could hopefully reach that one. My, I hope so. It's my stretch goal of 2000, <laughs> 2008. All right. Well, we have got a jam-packed episode. The 501st Legion is currently at 3,872 members with a total of 5,585 costumes. And the highlights of this episode include the launch of a new 501st unit up in the Midwest garrison, shout-outs from StarWars.com for the Legion, some residual holiday events because we just had so many at the end of 2007 that we just could not fit them all in before the beginning of the year, the return of a different point of view from TD0013, continuing charitable efforts from the 501st Legion around the world, some upcoming events, and we're even going to squeeze in a few questions from the fans. So that's a whole lot, so let's get moving along to recent news. Now that our 10th anniversary has ended, we thought it would be noteworthy to mention how many events our garrisons and outposts appeared at over the course of 2007. Although the final figures are still coming in, we are estimating that the 501st Legion participated in over 2,300 events last year alone. Wow. 
Wow, <laughs> is right. That, I mean, t- let's see, two thousand. I think the total number is what, like, two thousand three hundred sixty-seven. That's sort of our current guesstimate at this date and time as we record this. I did a little math, and that comes out to about six five hundred first events per day for the year, and we're probably missing quite a few that weren't formally reported. Yeah. So, I mean, that is just uh, outstanding, and thank you so much to all the troops out there who are working hard for the fans in general, for, for fandom in general. Um, we really appreciate that. Keep it going. Let's see if we can get a little bit more accurate numbers in 2008, and hopefully this time next year we'll have a fantastic report. I'd like to see if we can beat six events per day. That's that's a pretty good average, though. <laughs> Guys rock. I think we can do it. I think we can probably increase that a little bit more. Yeah, well, everybody's trying. You know, do as much troops as you can. Here's some news. Just in time for the new year, the 501st Legion approved its latest unit, the Great Lakes Garrison. This garrison is an offshoot of the Midwest Garrison. Used to be the Michigan squad, but now their own mighty garrison. Congratulations to the Great Lakes Garrison. They're uh, starting off with about 66 members, and you can visit them online at uh, greatlakesgarrison.com. I thought that was an interesting number. You said 66 members? 66. Order 66? Coincidence? That's right. I I think not. I think it probably is. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Well, StarWars.com, the official site, has posted its official Best of 2007 list, and the 501st is proud to be included for our participation in the New Year's Day Rose Parade on January 1st, 2007, of course. The 501st also had a hand in promoting this past year's United States Postal Service Star Wars stamps and Celebration 4 in Los Angeles and Celebration Europe, all mentioned in the StarWars.com Top 10 list. Thanks, as always, to Bonnie and our friends at the official site who continue to support the Legion. Awesome. And a few more 501st connections that I did not mention in that brief report include, again, it was a top 10 list, but number three was the lightsaber in space. And, of course, that was the lightsaber launch, uh, the Jedi lightsaber that launched by NASA on the space shuttle. And the 501st, of course, had a hand in delivering that lightsaber and also promoting the lightsaber when it landed and they brought it back to the Houston Space Center. And also number two on the list was the making of Star Wars slash Star Wars Vault book projects. Now, the Star Wars Vault, in particular, is a really cool book. It's very thick, and it contains all kinds of replica, I guess ephemera, you would call it, from Star Wars over the past 30 years. It's a book by Steve Sansweet, good friend of the Legion, and Pete Vilmer. And um, that book also includes a dedication to the 501st, as well as a spread about the Legion in there. So the 501st is all over StarWars.com's Top 10 of 2007. We're busy little beanies. Speaking of the official Star Wars website at StarWars.com, they have posted their Top 100 Data Bank entries based upon visitor page views. And the 501st Legion comes in at number 28, beating out popular icons as such as Chewbacca, C-3PO, and even our arch-nemesis, the Ewoks. We'll have a link to that news report on the website. So. Excellent. See, almost we Ewok-free, so... Almost Ewok-free? I don't think we'll ever be Ewok-free. 99% Ewok-free, according to the title of this podcast. <laughs> As it should be. And after a brief hiatus, well, I guess Varza was also on a brief hiatus, but here's somebody else who was on a brief <laughs> hiatus. That's TD0013, the Sand Trooper, who gives us our reports on his podcast, A Different Point of View. You can visit him at adpov.net, and we'll have a link on our show notes. But check out Episode 9. The Battle of Endor. Hey, 
what I told you was true from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? The standard Imperial Stormtrooper is equipped with the best gear the galaxy has to offer. High impact blaster resistant plastoid alloy full body armor to keep the soldier safe out on the field. In helmet communications with digital encryption and laser transmission capability to ensure he knows his mission and can coordinate with his brothers effortlessly making him an effective cog of the Imperial War Machine. All weather anti-contaminant body glove to ensure safety from biological and or chemical agents. True Tread sold boots to give him sure footing while protecting our universe. The Blastech E11 standard Imperial issue blaster to enforce the law and defend order throughout the galaxy. The common Ewok warrior has a leather hood and a f***ing stick with a rock tied to it. Now I dare you to look me dead in the eye and tell me you actually believe the technologically superior empire got beaten by a bunch of teddy bears that don't even know how to wipe their own Seriously, you'd have to be a complete moron to think that this farce could have ever happened. Yeah, there were a lot of little furballs running amuck in the trees that fateful day on Endor, but nowhere near the number needed to take down an entire legion of the Emperor's finest. There were how many? Okay, I'll be generous and say there were a thousand Ewok in the fight, but that still wouldn't be nearly enough to win the battle fought on the forest moon. I could even buy the idea that if millions of Ewoks attacked, wave after wave, eventually an Imperial Legion could theoretically fall, but not until every power cell and their weapons was emptied and the forest was littered with the dead bodies of literally thousands of Ewok warriors. Even then the Imperials would be far superior in hand-to-hand -hand combat, plus there's the advantage of sheer size and mass. A rifle can become a powerful bludgeon in dire times, friend. And yes, we are most certainly trained in that technique should the need arise. This is obviously the worst case of anti-imperial propaganda that has ever cursed the proud history of the imperial military. It's just plain insulting to think that some of you actually believe it to be fact. It's designed to make us, the brave men of the armed forces, look like a bunch of hapless pussies. And I won't have this go on any longer. I'm TD0013, and this has been A Different Point of View. The following has been a presentation of A Different Point of View, all rights reserved. The opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of the Empire or its subsidiary systems. www.adpov.net Now it's time to move along to Mission Reports. Uploading and linking with your visor, sir. This tragic story of a murder-suicide that left two young boys orphaned in uh, Michigan compelled the Midwest garrison's Sheldon TK-0192 to spring into action. He organized a spaghetti dinner fundraiser back on uh, December 23rd to benefit the two brothers affected by the tragedy and secured room donations from the local Comfort Inn to house troopers John TK-5037 and Rome TK-1800, who drove 10 hours each way to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to join him at an event. Troopers Ken TR-544 and Martin TI-570, who could not attend the event, lent their support by sending donations of toys. The day before the big charity dinner event, the local uh, Chamber of Commerce learned of the stormtroopers coming to town and asked if the 501st would assist in an impromptu visit to the kids attending uh, their Christmas party. On the day of the fundraiser dinner, the town was hit by a blizzard, 
up there, it's about you know 12 to 15 inches of snow. But that didn't stop the 501st. Despite the low turnout due to the storm, they were still able to raise $1,654 for the for the boys. And if two troops weren't enough on Christmas Eve, Sheldon TK192 headed out in armor for the third day in a row to personally deliver Star Wars toys and a Stormtrooper cadet certificate to one of the two brothers who could not attend the charity dinner. Thanks to John, TK5037, for the report, and to Sheldon, TK192, for going to the distance and truly representing what the 501st Legion is all about. I have to say, that is an inspiring story, and it's kind of like, you know the United States Post Office, they have that that slogan, that unofficial slogan? I think we need one something like that, like, neither snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of night stays these troopers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. I mean, they were going through 12 to 15 inches of snow, they had to drive 10 hours each way to get there, and I'm sure that the kids were you know, completely flattered by it, and it really made a difference. So anything we can do, you know, to, again, it, it, we are a philanthropic organization, and anything we can do to, to ease the suffering of others and to give them just a, a brief moment in time where they don't have to worry about any problems they might having, that is what the 501st is all about. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's some pretty mighty troop in there. So way to go, uh, Midwest Garrison. Yeah, and way to go, Sheldon, for just starting and doing all that and making such a difference in two little boys' lives that really need it right now. After months of planning with the Taiwan Make-A-Wish Foundation, the 501st Taiwan Formosa Outpost embarked on a visit to the National Cheung Kung University Hospital to visit with some terminally ill children in desperate need of some make-believe. As usual, 501st members posed for countless photos and also distributed gifts to sick children who could not leave their beds. In a miraculous stroke of luck, the 501st had packed just enough gifts for the 22 children who were in residence at the hospital, ensuring that no child was forgotten. In memory of Katie Johnson, troopers placed a picture of the Legion founder's late daughter inside their chest plates so her spirit would be near their hearts for this troop. Commanding Officer Roy, TD-1668, describes his experience. The brothers and sisters of our worldwide Legion have accomplished much with the Make-A-Wish Foundation for years. But this is totally a fresh new experience to the Taiwan 501st. We thought we were all mentally well prepared for what we might see. However, with every flying kiss of those little children who suffer from cancer, in the words of thank you, it was so difficult to hold back our emotions. I couldn't help myself. I broke into tears when one kid gave me a hug, despite his hair completely gone and one eye blind due to chemotherapy. Thanks again to Roy, TD-1668, for that report. Yeah, hospital troops are always kind of rough on the troopers. You know, I'm just glad we got helmets when we do them. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've done the hospital troops myself, and I am so thankful that that my particular costume of the TK, you know, with the, the white stormtrooper helmet, I can, I can hide my tears beneath the helmet because it happens. You know, all it takes is a, is a little bit of empathy, you know, imagining – you know, either my younger self in a similar terminal condition or thinking about my own children. I have two kids, two young kids. And if I think about them in that, in that kind of situation, it really hits home. And, you know, again, it's, it's very emotional, but again, it strengthens, uh, you know, our resolve to go out there and troop and to do stuff like this. Um, and again, it, it reinforce, reinforces the point that, um, you know, that of why we, why we troop. That it does. And also one other thing is that uh, you notice that Roy mentioned 
how for the Taiwan outpost, this was a new experience. You know, he talked about, you know, they thought they were going to be prepared to do this. But, um, you know, if you haven't done a hospital troop before, it's very, it's very rough, you know. And I think if we did a, some sort of a, a poll of, of our members and asked them, you know, rate on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, what are the most difficult troops? You know, some people, you might think they would say, oh, well, I did this, uh, you know, I did a, a um, an MS walk, you know, and I had to walk, you know, eight miles in armor and I got pinched and bruised and everything like that. But that really is nothing when it's compared to going in and, and seeing these kids face to face, um, kids who may not have very much longer on this world and doing what you can just to put a smile on their face just for a few moments. I mean, that's, that's really yeah. tough, tough stuff. And another thing that I think Roy was pointing out was that he's just getting started, um, you know, with the Taiwan outpost and really trying to establish events. And unlike a lot of larger metro areas in the United States, for example, that the 501st has already sort of, you know, conquered um, and built relationships with established partners, you know, you forget what it's like when you first go out to like a local hospital and you have to try to get them to understand who you are, why you dress up in a costume, and why you're doing this. You know, a lot of times that's difficult for people to understand, especially in countries that that Star Wars may not have such a huge presence in. I mean, in, in, in the United States, at least, I mean, it's, it's part of pop culture. Everyone knows Star Wars. It's on, it's on television shows. People talk about Star Wars. Even just today, I, I was at the office, and um, there was a cleaning lady. She came by with a vacuum cleaner. And it was kind of this short, round thing, and somebody said, hey, check it out, R2-D2. You know, that's just part of the, the culture. But if you, know, you think about these other countries, it's very bizarre to go and to show up and say, well, here, we're, we're going to entertain kids, and we're dressed as, the, as these weird space aliens, you know. But anyway, keep up the great work in Taiwan, Roy. We appreciate you representing the goodwill of the Legion. From the producers of Dancing with the Stars comes a show that's out of this world. It's Dancing with the Star Wars. Characters we can legally use without getting sued by George Lucas. Featuring performances by Natasha and Storm. I'm loving the way you're moving in that armor. <laughs> the Great White North's number one comedy show, Air Farce Live, contacted the 501st Canadian Garrison for their help producing a Star Wars-style Dancing with the Stars parody segment on their New Year's Eve special. The skit featured the choreographed dance teams of Natasha and Storm, Betty and Boba, Bruce and R2, Tad and Leia, and Maria and Darth, all of whom were actually 501st members paired with the show's talented cast. The Canadian Garrison and R2 Builder all went down to CBC Studios in Toronto to film the show on a set designed specifically for this segment. They spent over six hours learning the steps and filming. Thanks to R2 Builder Alex, whose droid is featured in the comedy skit, for this report. You can check out the full audio clip on the link in our show notes, which is hilarious, by the way. (laughs) Now, I'm not Canadian, so I'm guessing that the Air Force Live is something like Saturday Night Live in the United States? I'm not sure. I, I, well, judging, the by the, judging by the video clip, if, if yeah. everyone checks it out, I, that was kind of the impression that I got anyway. Yeah. The number one comedy show in Canada, so I mean, that's a pretty big yeah. deal. So I would expect to see Vader and the troops performing a nice samba at the next Canadian Garrison Parade event. Yep, that is for yeah. sure. See so you heard Dean. Keep working, guys. Practice. Uh, <laughs> Keep working. Practice, yeah, exactly. practice, practice. 
Oh, we it, need uh, those uh, moments to make us smile. But, know, no, I mean, it just, like I said, I watched the skit and it's hilarious. And I'm truly wondering how much of it was actually inspired by last season, uh, not last season, but the season before scene with um, Joey Fatone from NSYNC when he did the Star Wars disco tango. Yes, yes. That was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention that, that too. I'm actually a big NSYNC fan. No, just kidding. But uh, no, <laughs> incident, no the Five First had a, did have a, uh, a hand in the production of that real Dancing with the Stars or the original Dancing with the Stars or whatever, the American version of Dancing with the Stars. When Joey Fatone performed that Star Wars-inspired tango routine, it had the Miko disco soundtrack, and he had his lightsaber and his little Padawan braid hanging from his hair and everything. But um, I did a little research on that, and Lucasfilm's Bonnie Burton, who reports for StarWars.com, well, she's got her own blog, and I was checking that out, and it reports that Joey thought it would be fun to have stormtroopers from the 501st Legion come in and sit in the audience during the actual performance, during the filming of that show. <laughs> but the show's producers thought it might imply too much favoritism, so it didn't work out. But I do know yeah. that I believe the R2 on the show belongs to one of our members, the R2 from the Joey really? Fatone version of, of the Dancing with the Stars. And I do believe that... We had some members fly out there. I think we had Doug, who's our Vader and uh, one of the Vaders in Florida, in the Florida garrison. I believe he flew out there, but for some reason or another, maybe what we just talked about, they did not allow him to actually, you know, be on the show. Anyway, but it, it's an interesting tie-in that you know this is a parody of Dancing with the Stars. Oh, what if they had Star Wars characters on there? Well, in reality. We did have Star Wars characters on there. The 501st was involved. Well, so. no, not only that, but in that same season, a guy who was actually in Empire Strikes Back was on the show as well. Huh. That I did not like, know. What's his name? Oh, uh, John... you're talking about John Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger yep. was in that, se- that season, too. Hey, Normie. And, uh, right. Cliff yep. Clavin. Yep. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Fantastic. And by the way, he is also a 501st honorary member. That's right. So that was a big 501st thing. I'm sorry. I know. I'm a, I'm a total geek for reality shows. I'm horrible. But, <laughs> you know, we got to get uh, we got to get Joey on there as an honorary member. I think that yeah. would be kind of cool. I mean, he's definitely I am a Star sure Wars he'd fan. love it. He, he loves Star Wars from what I've from what I've seen. I saw some episode with him on it, like Cribs or something, and he was oh, going yeah. forever about Star Wars. So. Oh, yeah. And he's uh, and he's obviously he knows about the 501st Legion, according to this yep. blog. So. All right. Well, there's the, there's the challenge for our members. Whoever whoever's got contacts with uh, Joey Fatone, get out there and uh, see if we can hook him up with an honorary membership. That'll be pretty cool. Yep. Then we'll have get to have him, him do armor. A, yeah, get him some armor or, or have him do a uh, got to have him do a liner for the five hundred first cast. Yeah, make him write a song for us or something. Oh, that's what. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have been. That is one of my. Uh, you just tapped into like one of my. Um, hidden hidden uh, desires is I've been waiting for someone to do a song specifically about the 501st, like somebody professional out there to do a, you know, whether it's MC Chris or some of you know, we've got a lot of, you know, honorary members or Weird Al. How about that? We need to hit up Weird Al. I mean, he, he owes us big, right? For <laughs> su- supporting his tour last, you know, and yeah, uh, which frankly, really I think fun, a lot of people came out to the show because they wanted to see us. Well, they want to see you guys. I, I wasn't on stage. You guys both got a chance to perform. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, don't rub it in. I know. You By have. the way, Nikki has pointed out this is actually the second time the Canadian Garrison was on the show. Well, they're practically regulars then. Yep. <laughs> right we need to that. start a 501st TV, you know, 501st <laughs> TV, like its own station, right? So, oh, yeah. I'm sure George 501st was. being on TV. Yeah, the, the Star Garrison was actually contacted by uh, WFAA, Channel 8 News in Dallas, Texas, to provide some characters for a segment 
on their uh, photojournalist show, The Photographers. The premise uh, was that Channel 8 is so technically advanced that they have uh, futuristic employees behind the scenes running the TV station. For example, Django Fett is the meteorologist or stormtrooper scanning the police radio band, Death Star gunners uh, operating uh, their satellite dishes and more. Brian TK5240 gave us a heads up on this report, and we'd like to add that his wife was the biker scout chasing the cameraman, and he had no idea that she could run so fast in armor. Great segment, and we'll have a link to the video in our show notes. Thanks, Channel 8. Yeah, did you guys get to check that out? I mean, Laura, I know you saw it. Varza, did you get a chance to watch that? No, I keep rewatching you know, the last thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, then this in this future of TV parody that that WFAA did. My favorite scene is going to be, and it's not really a spoiler, um, but my favorite scene is with the Death Star gunner, and it's edited with the same camera angles and cuts used in 1977's episode four, A New Hope, and uh, it features a television switcher control panel. Which was actually yeah. what the original Death, what the original film used for the controls of the Death Star super laser. So it's really cool how they edited it together, and, and definitely check out the link in our show notes. <laughs> I'm watching it right now. <laughs> All right, so when you're done with that, we'll get back to this podcast. <laughs> okay. Just before the holidays, the Star Garrison, inspired by the 501st Bloodfin Garrison in Indiana, organized a Stuff a Bus event. They teamed up with the local Salvation Army and the Central Arkansas Transit Authority to collect over 100 toys and some clothing for the less fortunate. Inspired by the local newspaper as well as two TV stations who came down to cover the event, the Star Garrison is now planning something even bigger for next year. Thanks to Tracy, TK9612, for that report. This was the second Stuff a Bus event that the Legion has done this year, correct? Well, I know that there was one in Bloodfin. I don't know if the Bloodfin one was the first one that the Legion has ever done or was the first one uh, of the year, but sounds like it's something that's definitely picking up momentum. Oh, good. All right, well, this is the second one we've talked about, then, at least. Yes, that would be correct. The other ones apparently don't exist. (laughs) If it's not mentioned on the 501st cast, it doesn't exist. Oh, no, no. no I just – I wasn't <laughs> sure. I mean it's – I've never heard of a Stuff of Bus event, and this is only the second one I've ever heard of. So it's really interesting. It would be nice to learn some more about it. So You are now an expert, Stuff of Bus yes. expert. The 501st Southern California Garrison was invited to an event for autistic children at the California Integrative Hyperbaric Center this past Christmas to pose for photos and make some sick children smile. About 15 members of the 501st plus two droids from the R2 Builders Club sporting oversized Santa hats made an appearance along with Santa Claus himself. Although the 501st does work with Old St. Nick during the holidays, a follow-up article in the Arch County Register newspaper bore the headlines, Santa versus Darth Vader, it's no contest. Thank you to Chris TK111 for that report. And we'll have a link to the article at the Arch County Register on the podcast page. On December 30th, the 501st uh, Midwest Garrison made another one of their many appearances at Chicago's uh, Museum of Science and Industry for where uh, Science Meets Imag- Imagination Star Wars exhibit. Despite the Bears versus Saints home game, the museum event was sold out. Uh, they spent five hours in the Great Hall of the Museum uh, greeting museum patrons and posing for photos. Some members of the Rebel Legion also participated in the troupe, notably uh, Lionel, who portrayed uh, episode uh, four-style Ben Kenobi in the, in the 2007 Rose Parade. The popular traveling event exhibit will be uh, opening in Philadelphia, on uh, February 9th. So if you're in Philly, go check it out. Thanks to Kathy, Kathy, 
CK9989 for the report. And uh, we're going to have a video of part of the event in our show notes, so check it out. It's interesting. Well, it's actually a great little video of Dirge from the Expanded Universe as played by Thomas. Our, uh, Thomas Spanos. He's, he's our only yeah. Dirge in the Legion. Uh, yeah. There's a, a 3PO who uh, I'm not sure, but I think that is Tom TK118. I'm not really sure. And there's, think- there's an R2 unit, and they're all racing down inside the museum, like down the velvet ropes, you know, where they have the queue, the line queue, where they line everybody up. Well, they kind of made like three three lanes, and they're racing each other down there. And it's kind of funny. It's almost like the Droid Olympics, although Dirge really isn't a droid, but he's a big guy in a, in a hard-to-move-around costume. During the final uh, weekend events for the exhibit, Phyllis TD1951 spoke with many of the people who came out to visit the museum about the 501st role at the museum. The woman replied, Yes, you can tell that you are all volunteers as your smiles are genuine and you want to be here. That was a great testimonial to our members and to the ever-wonderful Star Wars fans who share their energy with us. Thanks to ID1951 for the story. And back to Southern California, on December 27th, the San Diego squad, with fellow Southern California garrison members, took their boots to the pavement in the Holiday Bowl Parade, commonly billed as America's largest balloon parade. Being the 30th Holiday Bowl game in San Diego, as well as the 30th anniversary of Star Wars, the parade's retrospective grooving to the 70s theme was a perfect fit for the otherworldly characters introduced to the world in 1977. Thanks to an invite from the San Diego Star Wars Society, the 501st Legion was able to provide 30 out of the 45-person parade entry. Congrats, guys. Sounds like a wonderful event. Yeah, I was reading up on that one, and that, um, as far as spectators go, that's another 100,000 people exposed to our existence. So make sure to send your appearance request through 501st.com, and we'll make sure they are routed to your local 501st troops. Yep, and there will be a link to the article at 501st.com on the podcast page, as always. Uh, Garrison Carita, long ago uh, in a galaxy far away, Carita was the planet with the stormtroopers and the Imperial officers uh, getting their training. Uh, in a galaxy closer to home, they were established out in the Philadelphia suburbs about five years ago. Uh, as you'll see, this is a, uh, a, a club full of stormtroopers. Uh, they are stormtroopers with a heart of gold. <laughs> The costumes are perfect. They are absolutely perfect. Uh, somewhere there is Captain Fred Vito, who's Darth Vader. <laughs> I love it. Every, every time Darth Vader turned around, they stopped strutting. <laughs> turn back around, they're strutting again. <laughs> nice job. That is an interesting one. That's a, that is certainly The 102nd annual New Year's Day Mummers Parade took place in Philadelphia, with Garrison Carita as one of the most popular entries. Members gathered bright and early at 5.30 a.m., only to learn that the parade was delayed three hours. Finally, they were able to pile in the back of a U-Haul for the trip into the city center. One of the attending stormtroopers, RJ, TK-8303, actually changed into his armor in the back of the rental truck while in transit, quite possibly a first for the Legion. Kids, don't try this at home. Each group was given two minutes by the judging booth to put on a short skit in the parade. With help from the Rebel Legion's Echo Base, our sister organization from the Rebel Legion, Karita performed an Obi-Wan-Anakin duel, followed by marching stormtroopers and a personal inspection by Darth Vader and his bodyguard, Boba Fett. 
If you've never before seen Stormtroopers doing the traditional mummer strut with black umbrellas, this is your chance. We'll have a link to the YouTube video of this parade in our show notes. Thanks to Russ, TI7757, for that report. And Dean, do you actually know what a mummer is? Um, yes, I do. It's when there's a dead body, and uh, they wrap it up with toilet paper, and it's like a Halloween oh, no, thing. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. That's, that's a mummy. That's a bad mummy. Yeah. So what, no, what <laughs> is- a mummer actually is, is actually a fairly old word, and uh, it's uh, somebody who like dresses up in like some kind of like costume and uh, – like participates in like some kind of holiday event. Used to they used to do it for like Christmas of all things, and now pretty much normal people only do it for Halloween. But uh, you know, the five hundred first, pretty much everybody's a mummer because so we're mummers. Well, we, yeah, we're constantly celebrating in our costumes. Yeah, well, it's usually for like some kind of a festival. Yeah. So you know, if, if you're you're just like troop in a children's hospital or whatever, you're not technically a mummer. But if you're like yeah. in a parade, you're a mummer. So so like there's a you- little bit of a if you went to, stuff. let's say, the Mardi Gras event that we talked about like a couple episodes ago in costume, you would be a mummer? That you would be. Very cool. So, uh, Mummers don't march, according to Nikki. <laughs> mummers don't march. Okay, we're going to have to do a little bit more research on mummers, I think. Okay, they, they dance and dance strut and along strut. the parade route. Well, what's right. the difference between dancing and strutting and marching? I mean, it's kind of the same. A march thing. is very formal. Blah, 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 blah. A dance is you're dancing around and you're having fun. It's all self-expression, sort no, of. A march? <laughs> no, maybe marching isn't self-expression. You're right. Marching is, 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 is marching is expression of uh, of your superior officer. It's not really. I your think own every personal. city should have a mummers parade. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, are there other so, mummers parades? We'll have to find out. If anybody else knows, yeah. if there's other mummers parades, the 501st, I'm sure, will be happy to attend. Do, do they all have to uh, include these black umbrellas? That seemed like a trademark kind of a thing. No. I don't know. No. According no, to Nikki. Nikki, Nikki, no. Nikki and Laura are mummer uh, specialists. <laughs> I guess so. Well, okay. I don't know if a specialist. I've never heard about the black umbrellas, but... Well, well, whatever. Well, you can see them in the YouTube video, which actually is pretty cool. It's uh, pretty well done. Except that uh, the Royal Guard, he had a red umbrella. Got to be different. <laughs> Back on December 5th, members of the Georgia Garrison were invited to a robotic Lego competition at Robbins Air Force Base in Georgia. Almost 300 kids aged 6 to 16 were in competition showing off their Lego and electronic building skills. And it was obvious these kids were bright, as they knew exactly who some of the Expanded Universe characters were, like Darth Treya and Darth Nihilus, and asked questions about various weapons, like the DC-11s and bowcasters. Congrats to Izzy SL-3474 for his first official troop, and the Georgia Garrison is looking forward to a larger event at the Air Force Base on March 29th, when an expected 800 kids will be in attendance. Thanks to Demon SL9713 for that report. Well, there's, there's proof right there that Star Wars and Legos go hand in hand. Did they get to participate? I like building with Legos. That's, that, it's really like a kid thing. I because, know. Because it like shows off like you know, how wrinkly their brains are and that kind of thing. For the kids, they're little Lego companies. I used to be one of those little smart kids, and I used to do stuff like that when I was in high school and stuff. So you know what would have been really cool is if those um you remember we reported on the five oh first uh Lego figures that's they're being produced mm-hmm. for the Ge- uh, German garrison. I still didn't get mine yet. I, I placed an order for one, but that would be cool if we just I, you know, I really wish that maybe we can build 
you know, a stronger relationship with Lego and literally they can just give us those. That can be like our trademark giveaway, you know, just like the trading cards and stuff. How cool would that be to have these 501st Legos to give out to kids and stuff? Of course, you'd see them on eBay for like $1,000 each because they're, you know, be such a cool well, we, we would just have to have the same thing we have with Lucas is we're not allowed to sell them on eBay. Yeah, but, you know, the fans are going to buy them or they're going to they're gonna get them and then they're going to throw them on eBay. That's yeah. the problem. Bad fans. Well, I'm putting it out there right now, you know, to all the whistleblowers. If you find your friends selling 501st merchandise on eBay, please report us and we will ban them from the Legion and they can never be a member. Now, back to our podcast. So mean. <laughs> just, just okay, Daddy Dean. <laughs> well, we're going to break things up a little bit and... Uh, Nikki, the woman behind the glass, did, uh, along with Rich, our man behind the glass, did our first 501st cast interview with a, I guess you call her a celebrity, uh, Karen Travis, the author of the Republic Commando novels. And we're going to um, play that segment right now. And we're very excited that we were able to get this interview with Karen. Thank you so much, Ms. Travis. She had some really cool stuff to say about the 501st that uh, I don't think people would normally hear. But she, she's a very big fan of the Legion and an honorary member. But she will soon, as far as we can tell, she may soon be an actual member because she's working on armor. But check out this interview. And, um, and we'd love to hear your feedback also in the comments section at 501st.com. Uh, slash podcast. So check it out. Hey guys, it's Rich. Recently, Nikki and I had the unique opportunity to speak with 501st honorary member and Republic Commando series author, Karen Travis. The 501st cast got the inside scoop on her passion for clones and the 501st Legion itself. I'm pleased to welcome author and honorary 501st Legion member, Karen Travis, to the 501st cast. So welcome, Karen. Hello there. Nice to be here all there in the virtual sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for taking some time to, to talk with us. For um, your book, True Colors, you put in a, a special dedication to Christian Stafford, who is a son of one of our Legion members. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the dedication that you made? That started out as a conversation that I had on clonetrooper.net. Um, I posted saying that if anyone had... had had missed any signings or anything like that uh, they could have signed book plates and all they had to do was just send me send me their address and I would uh, I would just pop them in the mail and I got uh, a message from Rick Stafford asking for one for Christian and uh, Christian had passed on a year or so earlier and this sort of hit me out of the blue really uh, it, I remember it was it was like in the early hours of one Saturday morning when I was working late and we exchanged emails and I was so moved by the whole story. I mean, not just, uh, uh, you know, the amount of, uh, of, sort of uh, care and, and support that Rick had been given by the 501st, but also how brave Christian had been during his last illness. And it was, it was, it was, it was one of those defining moments. Um, all Rick wanted was a book plate made out to his son, uh, purely in his memory. I was so moved by the story um, and so impressed by, by Rick and uh, by Christian's story that I said, well, would you mind if I dedicated the book to him? He didn't ask. ask. I actually uh, was so taken with, the, you know, with, with, with what had happened that I felt that it was something that I had to do. Mm-hmm. 
and subsequently I, you know, I got quite friendly with Rick and uh, we met up in, in uh, Florida when I did the Disney weekend and he's you know, every, every, every bit as charming and the whole garrison is every bit as, as, as wonderful as you would expect them to be. <laughs> so it was one of those uh, sort of defining moments. Um, it just, apart from the fact that it is a sort of deeply moving story that shows people at their best and the 501st at their best, um, it also put put life in perspective for me that you know, this was something terrible that had happened to Rick and he had come through it and he had drawn strength from his friendship with the 501st and the 501st had, uh, had provided the honour guard at Christian's funeral and it was, it was one of those things that made me think there are good, decent people in this world uh, and, and my little problems don't amount to anything when I see what other people go through and, and, what, they, and what they bounce back from. So it, uh, it was a very special thing for me, and I'm very grateful to uh, Rick for letting me do it. Building off what you uh, you know what you just said, do you have any other memorable moments from an event or any kind of a signing dealing with other 501st members? Well, uh, one of them a book tour um, in uh, May and June this year for Sacrifice. Uh, the 501st basically showed up at every single gig, and they were just brilliant. I mean, it's really hard to pin down any sort of individual event because they they were just always there. They were always in the right place at the right time and they were just absolutely fantastic. They were wonderful at at Celebration 4 when I I had a three-hour line, but they just stayed there and it was a huge line and they were marshalling the line terrifically well and it was all very good humoured. I think out of all the times uh, when I've been so great, grateful to see them, it must have been at Indy. Um, it was the it was the air travel uh, day from hell. <laughs> um, lo- very long story short, they ended up losing my luggage. We were bounced off two mm-hmm. flights. Uh, got to the signing an hour late. It was just everything had gone wrong, and um, I sort of turned up in Indy at like seven or eight, eight o'clock or whenever it started. It was a huge, you know crowd of people waiting impatiently with the local flight flight by their first garrison trying the Budson garrison keeping them calm and stopping them ripping the place up um, and they knew I'd had travel problems obviously and when I showed up they had they had laid on food they were they were just you know basically just uh, trying to sort things out for me and I, they, they, were, they were just wonderful it, it's exactly exactly the people that you want to see when you've had the worst day imaginable and they were just sorting everything out and running around and getting food and making sure I, uh, that I was fed them water and grabbing t-shirts and things so I had no luggage and they were just wonderful I mean they're, they're, they're always brilliant they're always absolutely fabulous but that stands out in my mind as when I was absolutely falling over tired and really had had enough and then I had a whole like two or three hours signing to do that they were just there sorting out everything they were just brilliant absolutely superb and uh, one of our members was interested to know if uh, all the the clone ID numbers that you they use in the books do they have any significance do they they happen to to coexist with uh, actual 501st member IDs or or are they just random numbers? <laughs> they, are, they are just random numbers. Um, the only thing that I have done uh, in all the Star Wars books is if I am short of a name, then I will use uh, someone's name with their, well, or a version of their, of their name. Obviously, I'll ask them first, but it's something that I do for friends and for people who've, who've helped me out. So you will see characters, uh, character names pop up, but it is purely the names. The, obviously, the characters are not based on them. 
<laughs> I think some people have been quite shocked by the characters that the names have been attached to. Um, but um, but I've I've uh, put in some friends like uh, Ray Ray Ramirez. Um, I don't think he's a Fire First member, although he's the guy with the fabulous uh, Mandalorian armor uh, that's on my website. And uh, Ray is in the uh, Ray's name is in the Legacy of the Force books as Ramzerimar, but the Ramzerimar character is nothing like Ray. Um, so I do borrow people's names because one of the things that you're often short of is uh, is sort of names for uh, characters who are sort of uh, I wouldn't say the B list but there are names that you you actually end up needing more names than you've actually necessarily got uh, on your list because I always keep a list of character names that I may use in the future but the really nice thing is that if there are people uh, or fans who, who've, who've been particularly helpful to you, that you can sort of give them a nod and sort of canonise them almost, that they actually become part of canon by, by having their name or a version of their name used. Yeah, I'm sure we've got we've got about 4,000 members that would be happy to have their name <laughs> in one of the books. So. Or, or a permutation of their name. And actually, speaking of other members, um, some of the members of the 501st Clone Troopers Detachment actually bought you a helmet and painted and detailed it for you. Yes, uh, I think it was the Omega Squad Republic Commando Armor, which was, uh, according to this, was donated by 501st Legion members belonging to the 501st UKG said they'd help you build That's it. it yes. Now, uh, what what is the status on that? And uh, also, what will your RC armor color scheme be? Right, well, I've actually got all the armor now. Uh, I've got all the plates, and the helmet is functioning, and uh, the only thing I haven't done is, is basically put it on the bodysuit, uh, because this year, well, this year's been like all, all the other previous years. It's been just chaos in terms of workload, and I haven't actually got around to doing it yet. But, um, but uh, Polymer Armoury did me the, uh, the, the matte black stealth armor to go with the helmet, which was just gorgeous, and I'm very, very grateful to them for that. So, uh, so one, one, one of my resolutions for 2008 is to actually create some spare time so I can get that armour sorted and then um, uh, hook up with the UK garrison and, and actually do some trooping. <laughs> so what made you decide that, that you would like to, to join our, our crazy endeavour here? Um, I'm one of these people that doesn't believe in, on, in, in an honorary membership of, of anything. I mean, if you're a member, then you do it or you don't join. That's... That, I mean, that's always been the way I am. I don't like sitting back on the sidelines, and uh, I've been so in, in, so impressed by what the Five O First do. Um, uh, the the charity work that they do. I know everyone says, "Oh, isn't it terrific?" They do a lot of work for a charity. Um, I've I've spent many sort of professional years uh, with with uh, charities and the voluntary sector, and I've not been impressed with charity generally. And it's been such a refreshing thing to see a charity run by people who are not into power trips or anything, who just want to make people's lives happier, uh, give some pleasure to, uh, to uh, sick kids, uh, raise money, that sort of thing. And, 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 it's, and it's the sheer selflessness and the low-key nature of uh, what they do. Um, the number of people who tend to think that they're all actors, uh, and I always want to say, no, 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 they're actually real people, <laughs> and they've got real jobs, but they actually do this and they actually pay for it themselves, and they and they basically do it for free out of the goodness of, of their heart. Um, so I've actually, you know, I've become quite evangelistic about the five of them. I was on a forum the other day. It's not not a Star Wars forum, uh, uh, um, a sort of private forum. And someone was talking about men dressing up in plastic, and I. I completely lost it at that point. So I had to lecture him about, did he know what the 501st did? And I, 
citing some of the cases. I mean, recently, um, I just got an email out of the blue saying, can you provide some signed books? I said, sure, what's it for? And it was a lad, uh, sadly, I only had a couple of weeks to live. And the five of us got everything for him. And this is through Make-A-Wish Foundation. And uh, they basically laid on a day uh, for him, uh, got him clone armour and that sort of thing. I got the books out there. And it's just watching them drop everything. No questions asked, just what can we do for this kid now? Uh, I was just so blown away by it. And uh, whenever people talk to me about Star Wars fans and they talk about the blokes in armour, I always say, well, hang on, hang on. You know, there, there, there is a really serious side to this. This is what they do. They don't just dress up for fun. They actually do things that make a difference to people's lives. And this is why I would do absolutely anything for them because they give so freely of their time. And I think a lot of people don't realise that, that they just see the armour and they think it's just an, another costume route. They don't un understand the sort of social and, uh, and uh, charity side of it. Yeah, I've had uh, some event hosts um, say, are you guys too good to be true? They're like, you're going to come and, and do this for free? <laughs> We're yeah. like, yes, that, that's what we do. They just, it, they can't even fathom it. There's, there's so few organisations that that even try to do what we yeah. do that it's yeah. just a foreign concept I think also um, if you don't have the 501st at, at a signing you get you get far far fewer people there uh, when I do signings I know that half the kids are there to see the 501st which is great that's the way it should be um, I'm partially there to see the 501st as well. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no it's the amount of free PR that the 501st do for the whole Star Wars thing is just breathtaking. Thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate you taking your time. I believe we mentioned a website, uh, some way that folks can find you online. Yes, it's uh, if they go to www.karentravis.com, and you can also contact me via the email link there. Well, thank you very much, Karen. <laughs> Those were merely the highlights of our interview. If you'd like to hear the rest, visit 501st.com slash podcast in the next few days. Now we're back with some upcoming events that you can look forward to. Updating location to objective tracker. The 501st uh, New England garrison will be trooping on January 18th and 19th at Ariza, New England's uh, largest and most diverse science fiction and fantasy convention. The NEG's server-crashing full-scale Jabba the Hutt puppet will, of course, be making an appearance, as well as a special uh, guest in 501st Legion founder, Alvin Johnson, from the Carolina Garrison. Attendees will look forward to a Friday evening Sith Cherry Ball and informative uh, Meet the 501st panel on Saturday. There will also be a chance to win a custom uh, Boba Fett helmet as part of a fundraiser raffle to benefit Make-A-Wish Foundation. We'll have a link to the convention in our show notes. Yeah, I want to win that helmet. Yeah, that's pretty that's cool. Pretty I, you know, I, I, that can be one of those costumes. I think we had a question. Maybe Varza and I we talked about it before. Like, what costume would you do if you, um, you know, if you could? The costume that you don't have. And I think I talked about Boba Fett because that's just, you know, it's it's a very complex costume. Takes a long time to mm -hmm. put together. Very expensive. A lot of details, but it's still it's one of the coolest costumes. And I think. Growing up, you know, that was one of my favorite action figures was the Boba Fett figure, and, um, yeah. you know, everybody loves Boba Fett. About this uh, Ariza convention, I've been told that this event is quickly becoming the Dragon Con of the Northeast, so 
We'll be keeping an eye out for an official mission report after this event, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the photo galleries. And maybe we can confirm that rumor. And who knows if it? You know, they've got Albin up there, so that's a pretty big draw. So we'll see what happens with Ariza, and that might be sort of an annual thing for the 501st members to all migrate to the Northeast to New England and check that out once a year. That's usually not much going on in January, so. Although it's going to be probably a little cold up there. Don't go there if you're, you're trying to stay warm. But. <laughs> yeah, Laura wouldn't like that. Laura doesn't like the cold. I'm poorly insulated. <laughs> you guys are like Tatooine desert dwellers out there in New Mexico. Yeah, it's still cold right now. It's still I, it's I, winter still. I mean, it was snowing earlier today. So we're a I desert. Like the cold. So is Antarctica. So <laughs> there, there you go. I mean, it's not as cold as like well, they probably are up in the New England, but it still gets pretty cold here. It just we don't get a whole lot of rain or snow. Wow, there have been fifties up there. Yeah, we got snow today. So you did. So yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're we just don't get a whole lot of precipitation. Like I said, Antarctica is a desert. So and just because it doesn't snow there much, it's just freezing, and that's all they got. Wow. Well, and, well, one TK. Well, let's leave the the cold uh, New England garrison and move across the pond to France. And ooh la la, we've got the Mijen Collector Con in France on February twenty third and twenty fourth. Fans can look forward to the 501st French Garrison as they are in force at Mijen Collector, a comics, TV, film, and cartoon convention launched four years ago by French Garrison Executive Officer Mark, TK7665. Mijen, about 100 miles south of Paris, France, will play host to several celebrity guests, including Star Wars actors Al Lampert, Commander Jane Jur from the Tantive Four boarding sequence of Episode Four, and Return of the Jedi stunt Ewok, Kieran Shaw, who more, who more recently played Jinarbrick in the Chronicles of Narnia films. Two more special guests making their debut on the French convention circuit are, once again, 501st Legion founder Albin Johnson, and his eldest daughter, Allie. Their trip is being sponsored by generous donations from 501st members and funds raised specifically for this purpose at last year's Celebration Europe. We'll have a link to the convention site in our show notes. Merci to Romain, TK3375, for that announcement. Merci. Wow, Alvin's getting all over the place this Yeah, year, it's like the uh, Johnson Family World Tour, you know? <laughs> Very cool. Well, see, I'm lucky. He's from the Carolina Garrison, and... Um, so anytime I want to, I could just run down. He's about an hour and a half from me. I can stop by and say hi. But this is a pretty big deal. I mean, and granted, he's the founder, but he's a fantastic ambassador for the Legion because he's just such a he's he's very likable, frankly, and he's a great storyteller. Um, and you know, if you get a chance to to check him out at any of these conventions, um, you know, and talk to him, he's the nicest guy you can meet. And his story about how he started the Legion and everything is, is just a fantastic story. I mean, it's. It's practically something that could be – I could see the story of the Legion being made into like a – you know, like one of these made-for-TV movies, you know. Where just, you know, I don't know who's going to yeah. play Albin. We'll have to do a casting call, see who plays Albin, you know, maybe like Brad Pitt or something. But, um, you know, it's, it's – gr- Well, he's already got the armor. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We have not yet confirmed that, you know, the word, of, the word on the street well, was that – Well, supposedly that it was a quote from – like they talked to Angelina Jolie and she told him what he dressed up as. Hmm. So. so unless she's a pathological liar, yeah. I doubt it. So send us some pictures, Brad. Yep, still yeah. waiting for your email, Brad and Angelina. Yep. Brad, you can you can email Varza, Angelina. You got no, you yeah, you've me. got nothing else going on in your lives at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. 
So okay. Staying, staying in the realm of Europe. Staying in the realm of Europe. The popular traveling exhibit, Star Wars The Exhibition, will be debuting in Brussels on February 15th. The 501st Fan Wars Garrison of South Belgium, along with the Belgium Garrison, and no less than 100 troopers from eight different countries will be coming out in full force for the opening weekend. Fan Wars is preparing a very special show for the opening ceremony, and the Belgium's Big Props Garrison will be bringing their Jabba's Palace display, including the photogenic life-size hut himself. For more details about the exhibit, visit StarWarsTheExhibition.com. Thanks to DTN, TC2377, and Bert, TK4355, for this announcement. And wow, that's going to be a large event. A hundred troopers from over eight different countries. Well, they're certainly a- certainly building it up. Well, you know, as you know, they're you know they're they're hoping to get that kind of reaction. And this is a really cool exhibit. If you check out the link in our show notes to Star Wars: The Exhibition, this one I think it was just coming from. London, I think, was the uh, yeah the last place it was showing. So it's moving right along to um, to Brussels, and that's going to be pretty cool. And uh, again, the European fans are getting a real treat, you know. But what a lot of fans may not know is that these type of events featuring actual props and costumes are like magnets for the five hundred first and other costume groups too. You know, we take advantage of every opportunity to photograph measure and examine details up close um, of these props from the Lucasfilm archives before they get locked up again. So there's a lot of sharing of these type photos, and ultimately it helps raise the bar of costuming for all of us You know, with this obsession. And then uh, apparently after Brussels, it's going to be on to Sweden in September. So fans in but, Europe are really getting a treat over there. But, you know, the, the members in, in Belgium like to do things big, so I'd be interested to see some video of that opening ceremony. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Know, I'm the sure the there will be. Wars special yeah, show. The fan, well, the Fan Wars and uh, the Belgium garrison. I am picking up a new contact. I am signaling our people now. Copy that. And for this episode, like we've done, I think, once before, we've got some questions and feedback from our fans that came through 501st.com. Laura, do you want to start us off? Sure, I will. Uh, we got an email from uh, Andrew, and Andrew writes, As a group, do you guys ever practice uh, marching before parades, or do you just go with the whistle? I'm a very active junior high student in my local uh, marching fireman's band. And uh, looking to join soon. Uh, never before three years seems so long. Well, hi, Andrew. We appreciate your enthusiasm. And we look forward to having you as a member of the 501st. If you are very active in your local marching bands, then you are probably more experienced than most of our troopers. Only recently, since the 2007 Rose Parade, have we been providing more coordinated precision marching at events such as Dragon Con and the recent Detroit Thanksgiving Day Parade. While some of our members are ex-military or have marching band experience like yourself, the majority do not. So as a result, some of our troops prefer to walk more casually down parade routes, uh, or, or perhaps they, uh, we should describe them as mummers. And uh, others just perform uh, in foot-stomping small squads. So it would be great to have you join us someday and lend some of your additional marching experience to our organization. And we have another letter from Scott R., who writes, I just received the Star Wars Vault book for Christmas. While flipping through it, I found a very nice two-page spread of the 501st. Thought you'd like to know. 
Hi, Scott. Yes, we are very aware of the spread about the 501st on pages 98 and 99 of the Star Wars Vault, as well as the dedication in the front of the book and a mention on page 124 about the 501st participation in the Tournament of Roses Parade. One of the Legion's biggest fans and supporters is author and Lucasfilm fan relations guru Steve Sansweet. Steve actually gave Legion members a sneak peek of the book Hot Off the Press back in May at Star Wars Celebration 4 in Los Angeles. We are honored, to say the least. And here's a little 501st cast trivia for you. Our very own host, me, TK899, designed the original Celebration 3 droid hunt badge and Jedi mind trick card reproduced in this book. So thank you very much, Steve, for including it, and thanks, Scott, for your question. That's very cool. We got another email. We, well, we got a lot of emails. We're here for you, the fans. Mike writes, you guys are the bad guys of Star Wars. Who can I contact for the good guy side? As well as, I do not have a costume. How can I get one? Etc." Hi, Mike. We all start off without costumes, of course. But I have to tell you, we are indeed an organization of the best bunch of the worst guys and girls around. If you would like to meet like-minded Star Wars costumers representing the forces of good, you seek our sister organization, the Rebel Legion. You can visit their site and learn more at rebellegion.com. Just don't let us catch you in an event, or you might find yourself in the detention block. And we have one more letter from Rhiannon. I saw some American Girl outfits on Flickr.com that were from the 501st Legion. I was wondering if you know who made them and if I can buy the patterns anywhere. I would greatly appreciate any help. Hi, Rhiannon. That's a very good question. And those wonderful costume, custom uniforms that you saw on the American Girl dolls would be the fine work of 501st Midwest Garrison member Kathy, TK9989, who is something of a magician when it comes to costumes and a sewing machine. She has some great photos and more information on her personal site, which we'll provide in our show notes. So be sure to check that out and contact Kathy and let her know that you really appreciate her work. And that about wraps up our questions from the fans for this episode, but we'll probably throw in a few more in upcoming episodes since we do get a lot of feedback through 501st.com. And we wanted to send out some wonderful happy anniversary wishes to the Alpine Garrison, who is celebrating their fifth anniversary, as is the Icelandic Outpost. And the Terror Australia's Garrison is celebrating their fourth anniversary, and the Sith Lord Detachment, their third. Congratulations to all of those. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. And that brings us to what everybody's been waiting for, undoubtedly the giveaway contest for this episode. Well, congratulations to last episode's winner, Mike TI907 from Garrison Titan, for correctly identifying Peter Mayhew's 501st trading card, which I believe was card number 25, as noted on 501st.com. Well, we're working on getting you that flaming 501st baseball cap. In the meantime, we have a new contest. Earlier in this podcast, in fact, I believe two times, we mentioned the Star Wars Vault book by Steve Sansweet and Pete Vilmer. Well, this episode's question is, what is the very first reference to the 501st in the Star Wars Vault book? So this means you grab the book, pull it off the shelf, it's got a cool slipcase. Anyway, you go through it, and what is the first reference to the 501st? Please give us like a description, like the page number, and what it actually says or what it actually is. So if you don't have the Star Wars Vault book, I picked up one for Christmas. It was fantastic. Go out and buy this book. It's totally worth every penny. It's got 501st stuff all over it. And again, it was dedicated to us in the Legion. And I'm sure Steve, if he could, 
If his publisher allowed him, he'd probably give one of us, every single one of us, a free copy, but he cannot do that. So, so go out there buy and one. buy the book. And uh, it's definitely, it's very cool. You really will enjoy it. Trust me on this one. Anyway. Or steal your friends. The prize for this week is going to be a 10-inch by 12-inch 10th anniversary 501st Legion patch as donated by Dan, TK533. Uh, and basically what this is, we have a 10th anniversary logo that we used all through 2007. And uh, as you know, 2007 was our anniversary year and the Legion was started in 1997. So we've got this really cool red X logo with Vader and Stormtroopers on it. And uh, to end up the anniversary year, we did a patch run of this huge, suitable for, for sticking to the back of your, uh, you know, of a jacket or something like that, but a huge patch. And um, it's it's just really beautiful work. So thanks, Dan, for that donation. And um, what you need to do is post your answer to this week's or this episode's trivia question at 501st.com slash podcast in the comments section for episode six. And don't forget, previous winners of 501st Cast contests are not eligible. Good luck. Yep, good luck. Uh, we got a few uh, web- website reminders uh, before we head on out. And uh, we're always at uh, 501st.com slash podcast. And visit our MySpace page at myspace.com slash 501st cast. And can I mention something real quick? I forgot to tell you guys to remind sure. you about it. Sure. Um, for those who do not like iTunes and refuse to do anything that has to do with Apple, you can now subscribe to us at podcastalley.com. We'll have, if we can, we'll put a link in the show notes and, and you can also vote for us there as well. Well, thanks for joining us on this first episode of 2008, the 501st cast, and we look forward to bringing you more episodes in the future. Yay, we made another year. Troop on, everybody. <laughs> Keep on trooping. Bye. Ending recording now. The 501st Legion is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it is Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming group. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright 2007. Thanks for listening to this installment of 501st Cast Classics. We hope you enjoyed reliving news from the 501st Cast's early years. We plan to re-release a classic episode each month, so stay tuned.